we're ready for the word. Put, I'm ready for the word. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the Bible says in Hebrew, I mean, in Proverbs, it says the word is life and health to all that find them. So if there is anything dead in your life, if there is anything struggling in your life, if there is anything challenged in your life, the word is your answer. Say the word is my answer. I need you to set your hearts on this because Pastor Edwin and I were having a conversation yesterday and we were talking about how many believers don't value the word. And what happens is, is that when I don't value the word and I don't give it its proper place in my life, then when life's challenges happen, we just finished a series about how we're designed. We've been talking all this year. We're over designed to overcome adversity. We can thrive through any situation. Our progress shall have no end. But understand that if we do not give the word proper place in our life, that won't be our reality, even though we have prophetic words that are telling us we should live a certain way. Absolutely. So we really need you guys to become lovers of the word. We want to read the written word because the written word is going to position us to hear the specific instructions that the Holy Spirit is giving us. And if you want to live in victory, you not only need the written word. But you need to be able to hear what God is saying to you about your health, about your family, about your marriage, about your money, about your economy, about every single thing. And so you have to give the word its proper place. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because in that conversation we've had, I think both you and I, and I've shared it with a couple of people who are close to me, that it seems like this last, I don't know, 30 to 60 days, there's been more and more uh, conversation that has either come to me or gotten back to me of people who have said things like, you know, we really like Fellowship of Champions, but you guys seem to always be challenging us to do more and more and more and more. And sometimes that's just hard for people. But we've had people to say to us that, you know, literally that we could, Fellowship of Champions could be this thriving, their words, this thriving ministry if we would focus more on motivation uh, rather than this idea of valuing the word and living by the word and walking out the word. And, and I realize the enemy does that because what he really wants to do is he wants to get us to back off of what we know God has called us to. God has called Fellowship of Champions Church International to be a teaching ministry. Uh, and, and it's so important that we don't allow ourselves to get uh, talked into doing something else in order to attract the crowd. Because if we do, we lose our effectiveness for the people God has called to Fellowship of Champions. And the reality of it is, is that there are people uh, who go to much larger ministries. They go to places where the pastors have much more name recognition. But when they are in a crisis, when their backs get against the wall, when they need to know how to live out what they've heard, they then turn and ask us. And I realize that that is the reason that God has called us to be a teaching ministry, because our part in the body of Christ is to help people not only understand that, yes, God loves you, that, yes, God wants the best for you, but there is a process, there are principles, and there are, um, there are things that we as individuals, as believers, must do in order to walk out what God has made available. 
Um, I agree with that. I want to say this, you know, maybe you guys have never thought about it. I think we've said it a lot, but I want to say it again to you. I think that one of the reasons that people want, first, I want to say to you is that if you want motivation, there's motivation all over social media. There are all kinds of conferences that you can go to to get motivation. Um, we are equipping ministry, right? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, when you get through shouting, we need you to know how to walk it out so your life is actually improving. One of the things, even though we we didn't grow up together, one of the things that we both, we see that God was working in us is this desire to raise a people who could live in victory. Yes. Not a people who could take good Facebook pictures while they still broke, while their marriage is still falling apart. People who know how to stand in trouble, people who know how to speak the word over their circumstance and their situation. But I was thinking that I think one of the things that a lot of people really miss, and I've said it a lot of times, but I'm going to say it again. The I tell my inner circle all the time, John 15 is the mark of what God mm -hmm. is doing in each mm -hmm. one of us. Mm -hmm. And this is what John 15 says. He says, unless you abide in me, you cannot be fruitful. Yeah. He says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut everything away from you. That's not the real you that keeps you from being fruitful. Yeah. And everything that is fruitful, I'm going to cut it so it can be more fruitful. Yeah. So I say to inner circle all the time that if you really want to walk with God, get used to being cut yeah. because, and this is where I think it's a huge disconnect from the body of Christ. God is not interested in making you a better you. Right. He is interested in Christ being perfected in you, which in turn makes you look like a better you. Mm -hmm. The Bible says he that started this work in us will perfect it. This means that you got to get used to the fact that as you're growing up, that they're going to be think that the Holy Spirit, his job is to correct, is to prove, is to instruct. He's going to say sometimes, Strick, that's a good job. Yeah. He's going to say sometimes, Strick, I don't want you to do that yeah. anymore. He's going to say, Sean, I don't want you to do it this way anymore. But the goal, but if you think that Christianity is about getting the prize, I've accepted Jesus and now I'm a good person and I just go and live my life, then being pruned yeah. frustrates you. Yes. Tell your neighbor, get used to being cut. Yeah. If you get used to being cut, you don't take it. So Hebrew says this. It says that God can't correct you. You're a bastard. Yeah. That's what it says. You ought to want to be corrected by God. You Think about this. How many of you want to live a limitless life? Absolutely. How many of you want to have a life where your progress has no end? That's what you want. How many of you want the John 10 and 10 life? You want the Jeremiah 29 and 11 life. You want a life that is incredibly blessed, that is incredibly fruitful, that is days of heaven on earth. So when God prunes us, he is trying to get us the very thing we yes. say we want. Yes. But so many believers fight the process. And I, I put in my, in my inner circle group yesterday, I said, think about this. The wilderness is where God grows us up. Mm -hmm. The children of Israel took a 11-day journey and made it 40 years, but Jesus took a 40-day journey and came out with power. Mm -hmm. We get to decide whether we're going to let God prune us, whether we're going to participate in it, or whether we're always going to be fighting him. 
The reason to me that this is so important is that because we're you give us a prophetic word, our progress will have no end. You, you we're going to start teaching a series today that's talking about not limiting God. But if I will not allow God to correct me, to prune me, if I think that the measure of God's love for me has to be that every day God is like, oh, you're amazing. Oh, you're wonderful. And there's nothing to correct then I'm not going to be able to live the very things that God has for me. And the truth of it is, is let's just be honest. The devil doesn't care how many new churches pop up. He doesn't care how many more people come into, quote unquote, the church. What he wants is to make sure that the church and that those people have zero power. And the only power we get comes from the word of God. I actually watched a video of a young man yesterday who had left his church. Uh, he was on staff at a church and it was a growing church. Let me say it like this way. It's a growing church uh, in a particular city and they are planting new campuses all across the city. And the reason he said he could no longer be a part is because the lead pastor was telling all of the campus pastors to not spend so much time teaching the word, but to just be inspirational. And the reality of it is, is that you can grow a collection of people by having really good music, by having uh, high-end activities for children. I'm not saying teaching them, but having high-end activities for them. And by having a 30-minute or 15-minute motivational quote, the problem is, is that those people, if, if they don't do anything other than what they get doing that, which most people, let's be honest, don't spend a great deal of time in the word unless they are part of a church that's encouraging them to constantly do that. Then the first time they get AKA cut by God for doing something, we do what most humans do. We retreat from pain. And when you retreat from the pain of God correcting you, then you end up pushing God out of your life. And so at Fellowship of Champions, while we want people to feel good, we don't want you to feel good at the expense of understanding that God's trying to grow you up. It would be wrong of us to teach a message that says your, your progress will have no end. It would be wrong of us to teach a message that says you can thrive through the storm. It would be wrong of us to teach a message about how you can persevere at all through, through all things. If we don't tell you the only way you can do that is by being rooted and grounded in the word and not just knowing scripture, but it's got to be Holy Ghost inspired uh, revelation for you yes. that gives you the ability to then walk out what that word is. That's what the, first, the faith process is really all about. It's so good because you need to understand this. Motivation will not help you when the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It won't. You got to know how to speak. When the enemy comes for your mind, when the enemy comes for your money, your marriage, when he comes for your destiny, you got to know how to open up your mouth and say, I declare the word of the Lord. Many of you, you know lots of quotes. You know lots of cliches, but they don't have any life you got to know how when your kids are acting a fool to open up your mouth and say, but they shall serve the Lord, yep. that the word of the Lord is bringing them back. That when the enemy is attacking your body to say, but by his stripes, I am healed. And I said to you this yesterday, and this is just the honest to God truth. 
I would not go to church at a church where we don't teach people to grow up. I would just go to brunch on Sunday because at the end of the day, when the enemy comes to slap you in your mouth, all of that motivation doesn't mean anything if you don't know how. Number one, the wisdom of God will start showing you how to sidestep some of these sucker punches that yeah. people have had, right? If you, we listen, I'm not interested in going to a church where people get on the sick and shut in list and stay there till they die. I am not interested in going to a church. I'm not, I said this, I said this to our kids this week. I said, you need to understand. Yeah. And I need all of y'all to understand this friends, family, covenant partners. It is not enough to be a good person. The devil don't give a flying flip that you are a good person. In fact, he will use the fact that you are a good but powerless person to molest you, to oppress you, to attack you on every front. And then you will be saying, why is this happening to me? Because I'm a good person. You are a good person, but you are ill-equipped to stand against the snares of the enemy. Yeah. And so I'm just not interested in it. And I thank God for our partners, the people who travel, um, to come to the huddles, the people who come and get online for every single service, the people who watch the replay, because I am never going to let anybody convince yeah. me again that it's just a few of us who want to live in victory. Well, and we said, you know, we were we were having this, this whole entire conversation yesterday, and we were saying that the truth of the matter is, is God has been so good to us. I'd rather have 80 people who were truly interested and learning how to live victorious, then they have 800 or 8,000 people with zero power and nobody able to leave the building and go out and spread the gospel or help people to live victoriously because we all just motivated. And we're motivated as long as things are going good, but the moment crisis showed up, and what did I say last, the last couple of Wednesday nights, everybody's gonna see some crisis. Everybody's gonna have a test. Everybody's gonna have a storm. The Bible, the Bible, we were reading that story about the two houses, right? The Bible says the rain came, the, 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 the winds came yes. to everybody. And so it's going to happen to us. The question is, do we have 80 people who can change a city or do we have 8,000 people and nobody can do anything? And I choose the 80 over the 8,000 every single day of the week. Amen. And I believe that there are more and more people who are understanding the importance of living by the word. Yep. And I want you to be a people who don't just value the word in crisis. I want you to be a people who value the word in good times. Because what I can assure you is that if you will value the word in good times, you will have fewer crises. Yeah. And it's not that things won't be going on. It's that you will be so settled in your soul when things are going on. Jeremiah says you won't even see when the trouble comes. You won't even see when you the trouble comes. You won't even recognize it as trouble because you're so in the presence of God. You're so walking in faith that trouble comes, but it doesn't look like trouble to you because of your perspective. You know, I think that that's the reason that people, so many people are worn out by spiritual warfare. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I do understand that there is an element of spiritual warfare, but there is a promise in Psalms. I mean, yes, in Psalms 91, that if I abide in him, I'm under his shadow. Yeah. At some point, I shouldn't always be on the front lines in the yeah, warfare. Right. I should be so engaged with him that literally he's winning battles for me that I didn't even know was a battle. Yeah. 
That's how God wants us to live. It really should get to the point that the only reason I'm actually directly engaged in warfare is to fight for somebody else. Right. right. I came right. out in order to deal with what the enemy was doing to somebody else. Not that I'm always in a battle for my life. And I was, you know, I put this post up. You know, this is the teaching, guys. It, it'll help you see where we're it's going. The <laughs> it's the prelude to the teaching. I put this post up the other day, and I was saying one of the things that really bugs me is that when we don't know the word, we in, we we embrace these cliches that the enemy literally uses to keep trouble in our life. Mm -hmm. And one of them is that I hate is that God gives his toughest battles to his toughest soldiers. And I'm like, it's not scriptural. So this girl comes on and she says, I think people get that from Job. And I said, well, first of all, the Bible says, let everything be established by two or three witnesses. So we cannot build theology strictly off of Job. Mm -hmm. I said, but second of all, Job came out. So yes, Job went through trouble, but Job came out. So when you believe this lie that you're always supposed to be in warfare, that you're always supposed to be struggling, then you don't know you're supposed to come out. Job didn't walk through that for 25 years and never get over it. Job aligned with God and he came out. Tell your neighbor you're supposed to come out of trouble. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not that I build a house in the valley of the shadow of death and I'm always about to run out of money. I've always got a challenge in my health. My marriage is always going through. God wants to make our lives a billboard of his goodness. Mm -hmm. But people who don't love and value the word are trying to use motivation to power punch what the word is designed to do. Amen. Amen. And, motiv so. and motivation just won't get you there. I mean, we just mo motivation is great, but the best motivation you could ever have is an assurance of what the word of God says. Amen. That's my motivation. What the word, what the word the of God says, says, my expectation comes from, from the him. Lord. In him only In him will only. I trust. You're supposed, guys, you're supposed to come out of trouble. You're supposed to get to the end of 2022 and you have more peace, more wisdom, more money, better relationships than when you went in. Your life is supposed to go from faith to faith to glory to glory. Listen, the grief that jacked you up last year shouldn't jack you up right. like this this year. Right. The seasonal depression that came on you last court last year shouldn't do the same the thing to you. wrong thinking you possess this year shouldn't be possessing you next year. Tell everybody put in the comments, grow. Yes. Put in the comments, grow. Grow. We want you to grow. Yes. Why? Because the Bible says that they're going to be afflictions, but you can't get delivered if you don't grow. Right, right. If you don't grow. So we're teaching today about not limiting God. Mm -hmm. If we limit God, if we don't grow, we limit God. We do. If we refute the things that God has done in our marriage, mm -hmm. thank God for it. Yep. It is because we were willing to let him grow us. He was like, Sean and Edwin, there are things you believe about marriage that are incorrect. There are things that you believe about how you should respond in trouble that are incorrect. There are things that you believe that work against what I'm trying to do in your life. So as we're teaching about this, don't limit God, 
Understand that the way you're going to break the limits off is that you have to be willing to let God say to you, Kimberly, yes, you love me, but you don't see this the way I see it. Trina, yes, you love me, but I need to deal with your attitude in trouble. We have to let God grow us up if we want the limits to be broken. We cannot keep running from the pruning process. We cannot keep running. You know, we were driving yesterday and you said that and I thought it was so true. You know, you can't be afraid. Well, not even afraid, but you can't, you can't, you can't always want to avoid being cut. You got to be able to say, God, not only will you cut me, but you'll heal me. You know, you can't be afraid of running from this pruning process because this pruning process really is designed not only to grow us up, but to get us to produce better fruit. Anybody who knows anything about an, about an arborist, an arborist is going to come and he's going to cut on that tree. He's going to prune on that tree. He's going to he's going to take some limbs away. He's going to take some some leaves away, some branches away. But what's the ultimate purpose to make that tree look more beautiful than when it started? That's what God wants to do for us. He says, hey, you've been born again. Right. Your spirit, man, is, is, is completely new. Now, what I want to do is I want to prune you by through the use of the fruit of the spirit, through the use of my Holy Spirit speaking with you through the use of my word so that now I grow the outside of you to match what's been done on the inside. That's so good. You know, um, let me just I want y'all to think about this and then y'all y'all tell me what you think. And then we're going to pass down. Go, I'm going to pray and we're going to get into the goal of today's message. One of the reasons I truly believe that people struggle with pruning is because people do not understand biblically that God has called us to die. Hmm. He has called us to die in order to live. In fact, Jesus said it like this. If you try to hang on to your lower life, yeah. you're going to lose your higher life. True. So you understand that the truth of it is, is that we don't understand we're supposed to be really walking dead. Mm. The Bible says <laughs> it's no longer I that mm. live, but Christ mm. that lives in me. Mm. And we're not, we won't allow ourselves to submit to yes. the process of death. So we keep trying to preserve ourselves instead of just dying so we can leave. That's good. That's Romans 12. I know I was thinking this should be the next series we should do. Like how to die to live. Romans 12 and 1, it says, I present my body as a living sacrifice. What does a sacrifice do? It dies. Mm -hmm. A sacrifice dies. The Bible says that unless a seed falls to the ground Damn. and dies, it cannot produce. It abides alone. We got too many people trying to stay alive in themselves, not in Christ. Mm. And that is why when God corrects us, when God instructs us, that's why many of you have been in the body for 10 years, still won't say yes to the call that you've been called to. Why? Because you won't die. But if you want to live, you have to die. I, our marriage produced the fruit that it produced because I died to myself. Mm. Myself wanted to say something back. Myself wanted to defend. Myself wanted to be slick mouth. And the Lord was like, if you want days of heaven on earth, you've got to die. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? You got to die to live. Yeah. 
God wants you to live the, a life that is so beyond anything you could imagine. And you're trying to get there, keeping your flesh alive. You got to die to your desires, your wants, the way you would do it, what you would say, so Christ can live in you. And the more you do it, the more fruitfulness you're going to see in your life. I literally just had a vision of people running from God, trying to live. They're running from God trying to save their life when in reality they're dying every step to take away from him. Every step. But if you want to live, you got to die. But but what we're doing as, as, as people is we're running from God and we're literally dying every step we get away from it. I think about this. One of the biggest transformations of my life was May 2018. On May 28th, every, I, 2018, I think every day of that month, I cried. Every day, the Lord would tell me to get in my car and he would tell me he wanted to talk to me about things that were not the real me. Mm. I cried every single day. And honestly, I do temper tantrums every single day. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want, I don't know why you want to deal with this. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm doing all the stuff you asked me to do. And I say this all the time. By the time I got to July, I could not understand why I had fought him so hard. Mm. In May, I'm fighting to hold on to what I think is the real me. Every day he's like, no, I'm going to prune you on this. Don't say this. Don't do this. Here's the real you. By July, I'm so glad I did. So when we did it the next year, we we did it in 15 days, yeah. not 31 days. Right. Why? Because I you wasn't spent 16 fighting. I spent 16 <laughs> fighting. And now the truth of it is, I'll be honest, when God starts dealing with me, and I'm going to tell this, I know you didn't mean it this way, but here's a great example of how you can allow people to challenge you. We were in Jamaica, and anybody who's heard knows that I was ready for the Jamaica vacation to be over for stuff I'm not going to talk about right now. The place was beautiful. It just wasn't my vacation, right? Too remote. Too, it was too remote <laughs> for, for me. It was just too remote for me. I'm not that girl. So we are in the airport, and the plane keeps getting delayed. And so I... I'm complaining because the plane is delayed. I'm not really complaining because the plane is delayed. I'm complaining because in my gut, I know they're going to cancel this flight. And I want them to just go ahead and cancel it so I can go get me a nice hotel room instead of sitting in the airport. Right? The next morning, you say something to me. I must have been complaining again. At this point, you I were. didn't even realize that I was complaining. Right? Um, I, and you said to me, you said, you asked me if I was happy, and I said, oh, I'm really no, happy. I didn't ask you. I actually didn't say anything. We were driving, and you were just complaining, 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 and then you said, oh, but I'm so happy to be here with you. And I was <laughs> like, really? And I said, because if you're happy to be here with me, you know, I don't know if you noticed it, because this is not something that I know you for, but you seem to be doing a lot of complaining, and that's not, that's not something you typically do. So... Let me be honest. Initially, this is how I felt. If you don't think I normally complain a lot, let me have this day. Let me have it. Don't I, like, I feel like if you I don't let you have it the day before. If you don't feel like I complain a lot, let me have it. And so as I was sitting there, I was like, but do you want to be identified as a person who complains 
in pressure situations. I literally said to him, do not teach any more about thriving. thriving in adversity. I don't want no more teaching about thriving in adversity. And then I began to say that while I'm not a person who's going to complain when we're facing sickness, I've mastered that. I'm not a person who's going to complain when we're facing money problems. I've mastered that. But that trip brought out that I am a person who will complain if I am uncomfortable and I think it's unnecessary. Mm -hmm. And I use that. I spent this week working on thinking about what I was thinking that would allow me to complain so much. This is the pruning that the Lord wants us to do because then this is what I'm thinking. Did I miss a moment to bless somebody mm. or to minister to somebody mm -hmm. because I was complaining over something that when I got through complaining about, it didn't change it. And so to me, that is what I mean when I said that the Holy Spirit, you can be like, because my first, what's my first reaction? Well, if I don't complain that much, let me have it. And then the Lord is like, well, why do you want to complain at all? And mm -hmm. all why do you want to why do you want to have it? Why do you want to have it, right? This is what Romans 12 and 2, when it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because in the natural, in our flesh, we say, hey, but it's okay for you to complain if you're hungry. It's okay for you to be hangry. It's okay for you to <laughs> act this way, right? And the Lord is like, no, because what opportunities do you miss in, in my weakness, mm -hmm. his strength is made perfect. So what opportunities am I missing to be perfected because I choose to do the easy thing? Yeah, absolutely. So I really thought about that. And I was just like, number one, it made me happy that you didn't identify me as a complainer. But it also made me want to grow up because I was like, I don't want anybody to ever be able to say about me that I'm a complainer. Right. Why? Because Jesus wasn't a complainer. Right. And if Jesus didn't complain on that crowd, on that cross, I don't have to be complaining because I'm sitting in the airport frustrated because it's because the flight is delayed. In beautiful Jamaica. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Amen. So, but do y'all understand what I'm saying? So my question to you is that we've had this conversation about dying. Do you understand what we're saying here? That a lot of our fight toward God that's limiting God is because we won't die to what he's trying to do in our lives. Because it's important to realize, people go, what do you mean limiting God? You can't limit God. God is God. What we're saying is that you have a part to play. And if you don't play your part, you limit what God has already established for you. It's not that you are somehow stopping God from being God. But in the same way that if I tell my kids, okay, uh, you need to go pass your driver's test before you can have this car I've already bought for you. If they never go past the driver's test, even though the car belongs to them, they can't possess it because they haven't done the necessary steps to be ordered to, to, be, to be in in position to possess it. Right. And so the same thing is true. God has the Bible tells us that God already knows what he wants to do to give us an expected end and a great outcome. So He's already done that. He walked out the end, he, he walked out the end and walked it backwards to the beginning. But he says, here along the way are things that you're going to have to do. And the enemy, because we have an adversary, is going to try to get you not to do these things. Because if you don't do these things, if you don't die to yourself, then you never get to the destination where I already have this next thing for you. 
So when we talk about don't limit God, this is what we're talking about. What can we as believers understand about our roles and responsibilities so that we don't limit what God wants to do for us and has done for us so that we then turn around and blame God? That's so good. You know what? I think we're ready to pray now. We ready to pray? Listen, now it's time to pray. It's only been 30 minutes. It's only been 30 minutes. Now it's time to pray. Why? Because here's what we need to pray. Our prayer needs to be simple. You're the potter. I'm the clay. Do what you want to do Mm -hmm. in me. Father, we come today and we are so thankful that you saw fit to put us in the earth realm at this time. We are so thankful for the gifts and the talents and the promises and the abilities that you have spoken over us. We are so thankful that we are born again believers. We are so thankful that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We repent for trying to stay in control of the journey. We repent for trying to be the potter when we really are the clay. Mm -hmm. We repent for trying to lead, for thinking that we know the better way to go. Mm -hmm. We repent for fighting against the very things we're praying for. We repent for making it difficult for you to do your work Mm -hmm. in our lives. And so today, the Bible says, anytime we can see, hear, and understand, we shall be converted and healed. So Father, we see today how fighting against you limits you. Mm -hmm. We hear today how fighting against you limits you. And we understand today how fighting against you limits to you. And we repent for it and we're done with it. And we surrender the whole of us to you Mm -hmm. in Jesus name. Everything that we have kept segmented and compartmentalized and tried to manage ourselves We bring our whole selves to you and we declare you are the potter. We are the clay. Have your way in Jesus name. Mm -hmm. I just need the people who live to left on here to say, have your way in Jesus name. No, you have your way in my life. I'm done fighting against you. I'm done praying for increase and then fighting the plan that you've given Mm -hmm. me for increase. I'm done praying for a better marriage and then fighting against the things that you're telling me to get it. I give you permission. I acknowledge my place. You're the clay. You're the potter. I'm the clay. I'm not shaping you into my image. You're shaping me into yours. Mm -hmm. Amen. So, all right. This is, we, we won't, we want, Come on, give God some praise for that because we want to see you live your best life. But hear me, anybody who is trying to convince you that you're going to live days of heaven on the earth while you keep going your own way, they are lying to you and deceiving you. The yes, God reigns on the just as well as the unjust, but there are some things, some secrets, some fruit, some goodness that are reserved for those who say yes. Mm-hmm. Amen. 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 And so part of this, this, this teaching, you know, really is an outgrowth of everything we've been talking about yes. the last, last few months. And we ride in the car, we talk and we're like, Hey, what are we, you know, what is the Lord saying to you? What is the Lord saying to you? And one of the things that I, really felt impressed upon, you know, after teaching the last two Wednesday nights is that God has said, okay, you've encouraged the people that they have the ability to thrive through the storm. Mm-hmm. He said, now we need to come back and tell them what they must do, what they must do. to be prepared for when the storm comes. And I want to do my part yeah. because 
Part of you being in the storm is knowing who is the rescuer in the storm. And so um, we started talking and we just decided, you know, let's do this, this teaching, which I think is going to lead to this teaching that we're going to do about dying to self, uh, which is so interesting and a great way to take us into the new year. Um, but, but we want to talk about not limiting God. Don't limit God, right? And so the whole purpose of our teaching today is so that all of our partners, all of our friends, everybody who hears this message understands that there is a need for a systematic plan. And I know people don't like that sometimes, but the truth of the matter is God is a planner. Yes, he is. God is a strategic planner. The Bible says that he had a plan for how he created everything and he did it in, in, in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. So God is a planner. So we have a systematic plan for how we both need to grow. We talked about growing up, how we need to grow and how we need to release our faith so that we don't limit the hand of God in our life. Amen. And I thought this was so interesting because if you go to the first scripture we're going to look at, it's in Numbers chapter 11. And in Numbers chapter 11, if you actually read Numbers chapter 11, it's a very familiar story. It's the story of when uh, Moses uh, had the children of Israel, uh, they had left Egypt. And they were out in, 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 in the wilderness and they were they were like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? We're hungry. How are we going to eat? And the Bible says that God did this great miracle. Right. And he started to feed them manna that every morning they would wake up and there were fresh. There was fresh manna on the ground for them to eat. Uh, the one, one translation called it angel food. Mm -hmm. That God was literally giving them angel food to eat. But like most people, no matter how miraculous it is that God gives us something great, eventually we go, we grow weary of it. Ain't that just like human beings? God has given them angel food and they, they grow weary of eating this angel food. And they begin to complain and say, you know, when we were in Egypt, we had meat to eat. You know, yeah, you were also in bondage. You were also getting your back broke because you had to make uh, uh, bricks with, with, without all the right materials. They had forgot about that part of it. And, in, and, and God, Moses goes and he says, you know, these people are complaining, you know, they, they won't meet. And God says to them, you know, bring me your elders and I'll speak to them. And Moses creates this tent. You can go and read it. Uh, he creates this tent and then God shows up and he speaks to the people. And he says something interesting to Moses. He says to Moses, you know, I am going to give you uh, uh, meat to eat. And Moses says to God, now think about this. He says to God, God, I am here with 600,000 men. I have 600,000 men. And even if we had the sheep, even if we had the oxen, even if we had everything, how could we slaughter that many animals in order to feed 600 men? Because they weren't counting the women and children, which made it over a million people. How are we able to even feed them? And in Numbers 23, God says something that I think we have to always remember. It says, the Lord said to Moses, and in NIV, he says like this. I read in NIV first. He says this to Moses. He says, the Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? <laughs> he says, is the Lord's arm too? He's asking Moses, is my, is my arm too? I just brought you out of a situation that nobody thought you was going to get a, you had Pharaoh behind you in the Red Sea in front of you. And I brought you out of that. Jesus. And then in the easy read translation, he says what the Lord said to Moses. I love this. Don't, don't limit, limit my power. power. Don't limit me. Don't limit my power. You will see that I can do what? What I say I can do. <laughs> so whatever, this is, this is, this could be the end of the message this morning if we wanted it to be. What has God told you 
that he can do. The question then becomes, don't limit him because he's telling you that he can do what it says he can do. He says, I can feed you even though you don't even see any meat around. He says, I can feed you in the midst of the desert where there's no vegetation, there's no water. In other words, he says, no matter how desolate you may think you are right come now, on, no matter on. how you dry you think the place is, he says, just don't limit me and watch me be God in your life. Watch That's me be so God good. in your life. Don't limit you. And, and so a scripture that goes to that story, it's not in the notes, guys, but in Psalm 78, mm. When he's talking about them, when they're recounting this, what he says is they tempted God because they judged what God could do by what they could do. So look at what God is saying to us. God is saying, listen here, I want to do great things in your life. Don't look at yourself, look at me. And then what we do when God tells us he wants to do something great, we look at ourselves to determine what he can do. What do I mean? God says, I want to give you a house. You look at your credit score to determine mm -hmm. whether you can get a house or not. You, God says to you, I want you to get married. You look at the dating pool to determine whether you can yes. get married or not. Yes. God says, hey, listen, I want to heal your body. You look at what the doctor says to determine what you can be healed. And the Bible says that it angered God when they did that. And it angered God when they did that, not because God had an ego issue, but because God understands that he cannot do more for us yes. than we are willing to believe he can do. So my inability, my unwillingness to let go of myself as the center player in the story causes me to be limited by my own ability. Well, and this 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 is not in, in the notes, in but, notes. But, but, I, but I want to read it. And it's fine. It doesn't have to be. But in Numbers chapter 11, right, If in the NIV version, if you read verse 21, Moses was having the same conversation with God that we have with God now. In, in, in Numbers 11, 21, in the NIV, here's what he says. I'm just going to read it. It says, but Moses said, here am I among 600,000 men on foot. And you say, now he's talking to God, and you say, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month? He says, would they have enough, even if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they even have enough? Now, what's the arrogance of this? If all the fish in the sea were caught for them? He's basically saying, God, what you're saying in these previous verses that you're going to do, how are you going to do it? Isn't that what we do to God? God says, hey, I'm going to I'm going to bless you financially. God, how can you do that? I'm a cashier at Walmart. God says, hey, I'm going to heal you. God, how are you going to do that? The doctor just gave me a report that said I got a year to live. God, how are you going to fix this marriage? Everybody I know who is in this situation got divorced and now they hate each other. How are you going to do this, God? And then God responds with a question. Is my arm short? <laughs> is my is my do you consider me to be like somebody else you know? <laughs> do you think that my ability is based on what you've seen done? Do you think I can only do what the doctors say? Do you only think I can do what the economic reports say? Do you only think I can do what the relationship experts say? Is my hand short? And he says, he says to them, he says, the Lord answered Moses, is, the, is my arm short? And then he says to him, now you will see. 
whether or not what I say will come true. And I love when he says that, because how are we going to get to see it? He says, you're going to get to see it because now you got to make the decision. Are you going to limit me with your own self-limiting beliefs about whether or not you got to have all the fish in the sea or whether or not you got to have all of these uh, herds in order to feed people? Or are you just going to let me do what I say I can do in your life? And you got to choose. And do you guys understand? <laughs> this is why we need the kind of word Ooh, that causes God. us to look at ourselves because you can be a good mother, married with 2.5 kids, a puppy and two cars. And the Lord can be talking to you about what he desires to do in your life. And you don't even realize you are insulting God. You start telling him why his hand is short. Yes. You start saying, and, and I'm not trying to be funny, but when he uses the terminology, is my hand short? He's literally asking, do you not think I can reach to where your problems are? Do you not, do, do you not think I can reach out to where you are? Do you think my arms are so short that, that I can only fix $100 problems? You don't think I can fix $10,000 and $100 million problems? There's not a problem I can't fix. My arm is not short. If I told the people I'm going to give you meat, not one day, not two days, not five days, not a week, but a whole month, he says, in fact, I'm going to give you so much meat, I'm going to give it to you in such abundance, it's going to be coming out of your nostrils. He said, because you don't think I can do it. He says, now the question becomes, and I'm going to leave it with you, do you think my arm is short? Because if you think my arm is short, be it unto you, my arm is short. But if you will press past what you have seen, press past what you have heard, press past what you've seen happen in somebody else's life, and make the decision that you're just going to let me be God, watch and see what I'll do in your life. Um, I believe it's Mark that says, <laughs> with God. Oh, all things are possible. are possible. Listen to how God sets us up. Because I want y'all to understand this. This is literally what God will do. God will plant something in your heart. Mm -hmm. He will plant something in your heart because he wants you to say yes, be it unto me, mm -hmm. according to your word. Mm -hmm. He already knows what he's going to do. He plants it in your heart knowing that you don't know how it's going to be done. Mm -hmm. He doesn't, this is also why I hate the saying, I trust the process. Mm -hmm. God does not want you to trust the process. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to trust him because sometimes the process won't get it done. Mm -hmm. He needs you to trust that he is God. That means I got to make a decision and we've just learned to do this over almost 25 years. We have just learned that when God says mm, something mm, mm, to mm. confer no longer with flesh and blood, we have just learned to shut our mouths. We have just learned to say, I trust you. The, we were saying to our kids, the miraculous things that we have seen in our life did not happen because we have degrees. No. Did we know people no. who got degrees no. and they still their marriage still no. fell apart and they still broke? No. It did not happen because we came from the right families. It did not happen because we did everything right. It happened because we made a decision. We can literally see the line. Every area that we ever gave to God. He did way more than we thought. Oh, man. Superseded every expectation. Any area of our life, 
where there is any lack, where there is any struggle, where there is any craziness, it is because we kept judging what God could do by ourselves. I see some people putting this in the comments. You ought to go ahead and do that if you haven't. Say, I trust God. I trust God. And here, here's what trusting God does for us, right? We read this scripture in Proverbs 4 and 12, the previous uh, series we were teaching about, about our progress would have no end. It says your progress will have no what? Limits. When, when you, you come, come along, along with, me. with me. Why? Because he says, if you will let me just be me, let me be God, let me be who I am. He says, the progress that you desire is the same progress I desire for you. You don't have the wherewithal to get there. But if you'll ride on my back, I'll take you. If you will partner with me, if you will trust me, I will get you to a place where literally your progress will have no limits. You will never stumble. And you will walk along the way. Why? Because I'm guiding you. I'm not a God who stumbles. If I'm not a God who stumbles, you're not going to be a people who stumble. So then people will say, but I've struggled. I've stumbled before. Well, Peter gives us the examples of why any person ever mm -hmm. stumbles. Jesus is walking on water. Come, come on. Peter says to him, if it's you, Lord. If it's you, bid me to come. The Lord says, it's certainly me. Come on, Peter. It's me. Peter literally gets out and walks on water. And the Bible says. He defies says, physics. He defies physics. He walks on water. And then the Bible says he begins to pay attention to the wind. Mm. Understand. He took his eyes off the focus. He took his eyes off the focus. When we stumble. Just check yourself. Come on. Just, just do Come some self-reflection. Put the blame where it really goes. Whenever we stumble, we have looked at something other than God. We are now paying attention to the wind. Say ouch. That's, that's that cut point that people don't like to hear. It ain't God's fault. It's yours. Oops. See, because what you <laughs> it ain't is, God's fault. It's yours. Because e let me tell you, I'm going to prove to you that you look at yourself. Mm. The reason I know you look at yourself is because you say things like this. I did everything I God, did everything told, me God told, me told me to do. You're looking at yourself. Yeah, you're looking at what you do. I did everything God told me to do. You're looking at yourself. Why would this happen to me? I go to, I do this and I do this and I do this and so-and-so don't do that. You're looking at yourself. You're looking at yourself. Now, this is not in the notes at all either, but we don't even have to mess with your notes. We just use your notes next week. Go to Romans 4. Yeah. If you go to Romans 4, it tells us the secret to strong mm. faith. Mm. Go to Romans 4. Look at it in the Amplified Classic, not the Amplified, but the Amplified Classic. Romans 4. Are you guys getting something out of this? You have to try and, and tell, you, say, tell your name say you got to train yourself. You have to train yourself. It is easy to look at your account. It is easy to look at your marriage. It is easy to look at yourself. It's what you can see. Mm -hmm. That is why we're supposed to spend time meditating on the word. So what we see in here becomes bigger than what we see out there. Mm -hmm. I was explaining to Jordan the other day when I was taking her to school. She said, how did you know I was going to talk? I said, because what God said became bigger in me than you not talking outside mm. of me. One of the ways we know that it's not big enough in us is that the outside keeps shaking us. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. I, I'm telling you ways you can the really measure. The outside seems more real than what's on the inside. It has to be a it has to be a flip. What's on the inside has to be more real to you than what's on the outside of you. You know, I tell people all the time, there are certain things that God told me to ask him for, and I ask him for it. And when it shows up, it's actually anticlimactic because it was so big when I got it. And I got it in here first before I ever got it outside first. And that's when you know you are trusting and believing God. When people get something, they go, oh, my God, I can't believe it. God showed up and did that. Well, the problem is, is that you didn't believe it. God did that out of his goodness, not because of your faith. Because if you had done it in faith, if you had been believing God and trusting God, it would have been more real when God said it than when it showed up in the natural. And I think I think people don't realize that because God is so good, there are so many things we get from his goodness sure. and mercy. Absolutely. And I believe it's like this, that when we're this is the perfect example of how I think it is. When my kids were little, 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 I fixed their cereal. Hmm. But when my kids got older, we put their cereal in a place that they could fix it themselves. Mm -hmm. Now, if they didn't eat cereal, that was on them. Mm. When they wanted to get up early in the morning and watch cartoons, if they sat there hungry, that was on them. Mm. Because I had already provided what they needed to be able, but they had as a show and of their faith. And had given them training I had, and had given how them to do training. it. <laughs> but for them to sit there and watch cartoons, and cry about how hungry they are when all they had to do was get up and walk in the kitchen to the bowls we had put at eye level, to the milk that we had put in smaller jugs, to the cereal that we had put on their level to be hungry. That was literally them refusing to put their faith with their works with their faith. That's right. I believe that what can happen in the kingdom is that we get real good at saying, I trust God. Mm. We know we should say that. And then when life shows up to see, oh, Sean says she trusts God. Let's see. And then we get upset when someone challenges us on whether we trust God or not. And we feel attacked rather than to see that really what pastors and leaders are trying to do is to cut out the places where you don't trust God so you can get everything God said. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I want to look at Romans um, 4 in the Amplified, right? And I really want you guys to get this because this will change your life. This is Romans 4. This is the apostle verse. Paul. I'm not quite. Mm -hmm. Hold on just a second. Oh, 16. Let's start with 16. Apostle Paul is teaching. A, the, he's writing a letter to the Romans church and he's talking about why Abraham is the father of faith. So we're going to start with verse 16. It says, therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith in order that it may be an act of grace, unmerited favor to make stable and valid and guaranteed to all of his descendants, not only to the devotees and the adherents of the law, but to those who share the faith of Abraham, who is thus the father of us all. Mm -hmm. He says, now this is what he tells us. He says, Jew and Gentile, mm -hmm. the only way we inherit the promises is by faith. So it can be given as an act of grace. Mm -hmm. Verse 17 is telling Abraham's story. 
It says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. Why was he appointed the father? He because he believed. Because he believed. He believed in God who gives life to the dead and speaks the non-existent things he has foretold and promised as though they already existed. Mm -hmm. Verse 18, this verse right here, this will change your life if you let it. It said, for Abraham, human reason for hope being gone, hoped in faith, insert right there, hoped in what God said. Mm -hmm. He hoped in what God said that he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised, so numberless shall your seed descendants be. Verse 19, he did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead because he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the badness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief or distrust made him waver or doubt questioningly concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. Fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and to do what he had promised. Mm -hmm. This is why his faith was credited to him as righteousness, right standing. But the words it was credited to him were not written for his sake alone, mm -hmm. but they were written for our, our sakes too. Righteousness standing acceptable to God will be granted to us to also who believe in, trust in, adhere to, and rely on God who raised Jesus from the dead, who was betrayed and put to death because of our misdeeds, and who was raised to secure our justification and our acquittal, making our account balance and absolving us from all guilt before God. I read a commentary one time, if you go back to verse 19. It says that basically what Abraham did is that when he set his impotence and Sarah's barrenness on a scale, he judged God to be more weighty. Mm -hmm. Do y'all hear that? When he, when he said, in the natural, I'm old. Mm -hmm. In the natural, Sarah's barren, and he put it on a scale, mm -hmm. one of them scales that do like mm -hmm. this, right? But when he put God's word glory on it, to God, the weight he judged the mm -hmm. weight of God's mm -hmm. word to be heavier mm. than what he could see in the natural. Mm. And God said that because Abraham put that kind of weight on God's word, God used the Abraham's faith to make him and Sarah produce. Mm -hmm. Understand this: when we will put the weight on God's word, not us. Not what we've done right. Not what kind of family we came from. Not who touched us or didn't touch us. Not who abandoned us. If we will put the weight on his word, the Bible says in Isaiah 55, he will make it come forth. Mm -hmm. Literally in the natural, Sarah had none of what it took to produce a baby. Mm -hmm. But because Abraham believed and put the weight on God's word, then God's word gave Sarah supernatural strength to conceive. 
Understand that what God wants to do for you is he wants you to put so much weight on his word so he can use the weight of his word to take what's impossible and make you a testimony. But be honest with yourself today. Be honest with yourself. Take whatever it is that you are facing. And we don't know personally what it is, but whatever you are facing, take it and put it on a weight and then decide, do you really believe that God's word is more weightier? And if you don't, it's okay not to believe it today, but you've got to do the work to change it. Because as long as your problem is more weightier than God, your problem is what you're going to receive. So you have to Preach. be you have to be honest enough to say, God, I don't know that you're bigger than cancer. I don't know that you are. And so because I can honestly say I don't know that you are, God teach me how your word is more weighty. Come on. And the Bible says that if any man lacks wisdom, it says, let him go to God and ask God on a and God would give him liberally and without fail. Why? God wants to show you that his word is more weightier. In fact, the scriptures are filled with the promises that God made to somebody, and they had to make the decision that God's word was more weightier. It's why we always say here at Fellowship of Champions all the time, we say every promise, we say every principle, and every every prophecy has what? A faith process. A faith process. The Bible says Abraham did not shrink in faith. In other words, he did not count, well, the, the, the fact that he was, that she was past childbearing age and that he was impotent. He says, wait, if God says it can happen, then it can happen. It doesn't matter that you thought that by the time you were 50 years old, you'd be making 100,000, but you're now at 60. Do you still believe God? Because the moment you start believing God, you now, you start to change the balance. You start to change the balance. You know, we just went through the whole election process. What did they talk about the whole election? The changing of the balance in power. You, they, they were hoping that the Republicans would get more in the Senate so they could change the power. They were hoping Republicans would get more in the House. They could change power. Everything in every election is about changing power. Well, that's what it is in the Word of God. That's what it is in, in, in the kingdom, right? The enemy wants to see whether or not you will believe him more than you will believe God. So that his, so that what he says will be the reality of your life. But praise God, we have the opportunity not to allow anything to be more weightier than God's word. Absolutely. And so what you can do is, you know, we're listen, we you, can, yeah, we you we're gonna end here, but yeah. guys, this is what you have to do. If you say there's a place in my life where I don't trust God more than my circumstances, number one, you gotta repent. But two, you got to put more word on it. And that's why motivation ain't your solution. And can I just say this? Stop acting like if you say it, somehow God going God gonna to be shocked. He already knows. The, you saying it is for you, not for God. I tell myself all the time, there are certain things that God challenges me when I go, God, I don't know if I believe that. Well, if I don't know I believe that, the only way I can believe that more is to go find out more word on that. So then I decide this is what I got to study until that thing hits. Then I realize, oh, wait, I believe God more than I believe this. But but you don't hurt God's feelings by telling God what he already knows. I, I'm going to use an example that's going to help you understand. Um, When people are trying to conceive kids, how many of you know that you can have intimacy that does not produce a pregnancy? Sure. Right? When we're meditating on the word, it is creating intimacy but if you if you keep meditating 
what you're going to do is you're going to end up in a situation where you get to conception. Mm. God wants our intimacy to produce conception. Mm -hmm. So maybe when God first starts talking to you about a house, you don't understand it. When he starts talking to you about healing your body, you don't understand it. But if you will keep meditating on that word and you'll keep creating intimacy, you will mess around and you will allow that egg and that sperm of faith to come together yes. at the right time yes. and you will produce yes. what God said. And then you will, you literally will birth out everything God has said. But how many of you know this? Anybody who's ever been trying to have a baby, that people who are trying to have a baby, they have intimacy on schedule mm. because they are trying to get to the conception moment. Your intimacy with God must begin to be intentional and on schedule. And because so I hear you saying it can't be casual. It can't be casual. You can't be casually it can't be casual. expecting to, to conceive. So you got to stop Netflix and chilling with God. <laughs> you got to stop booty calling God. You got to learn how to people. I've watched people who are believing for kids, mm. right? And their doctors will tell them, this is the best time of day to have sex. This is the best days of the month to have sex. They do that because they are looking for conception. Intimacy matters. Intimacy matters, mm -hmm. right? And so what I'm saying to you is that if you're like, I'm spending time with God, but there's no conception yet, just keep on. If you keep on, there is a period of time where the egg is ripe. And the sperm hits it, the sperm of faith, the word is the egg, the sperm of faith hits it at the right time, and you're going to produce. It's got to be intentional. 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 Y'all tell us we're getting ready to go. Listen, tell us what you got from today's message. Listen, if you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, you need to do that. Because let me tell you something. This is a great season to be a believer. Because we're talking about everything we need to do so that we aren't limiting God. Come on. We're not, we're, God, I keep saying this. I keep saying this to y'all. I'm going to keep saying it. God is looking for some people mm -hmm. that he can make a walking billboard mm -hmm. of his goodness. Yes. He's looking for some people. He want to take your life. He wants people looking at you saying how in the world so you can testify mm -hmm. about what God has mm -hmm. done. He wants to take, some of you don't even realize you have been marked by God to your family and to a generation to show what's possible. You don't understand that the things that are happening in your life, they're not just happening because you're willing them to happen. They are happening because God wants you to be a walking billboard of his goodness. Yes. But I said to them last night, I said, I was sitting there studying. I was sitting there studying and the Lord just kept saying to me, man, this is such a good word right here. He said, what was hard just got easy. Mm. And I release that over you right now. Amen. That what was hard just got easy. Amen. That there are some things that it used to be hard. I, I hear what I'm saying to you. Babe, don't get distracted. I'm, I'm not. No, and stop looking at rappers. I'm not. Let's go. <laughs> I want you to hear this. It may have been hard to make that first six figures. It'll never be hard again. Amen. It may have been hard to turn that thing in that marriage. It'll never be hard again. It'll never be hard to do that again. Amen. What was hard? It was hard. Just got easy. Amen. All right. Amen.
Amen. You know what? No, that's it. It's, it's time. Just, it's, let's it's just important so because the here's the today. thing. Because here's let's the so thing. The no, because here's the thing. The enemy wants us to be in this place where we think that everything God wants to do for us is it difficult to do. Difficult. It doesn't it have to doesn't. be difficult. It just doesn't have to be difficult. God wants to do. God wants us to be in a place where we literally take the limits off and let Him be God. You know, it's like um. And I, and I don't want to. I don't want to this. This I don't want. I don't want this to appear that I'm saying God is is like this. But if you are walking and you have your dog on a leash and your dog <laughs> is designed to protect you, and somebody begins to attack you and you keep the dog from defending you, you can't then get attacked and get beat up and be mad at the dog. You didn't let the dog do what the dog does. And I'm not saying God's a dog. Don't get me wrong. The illustration is God is saying you're mad at me because the problems won't stop slapping you upside the face. But you won't release me so I can slap your problems. He's like, let me off the leash. Let me do what I do. That's what he was saying to Moses. Is my arm short? Let me be God. He says, do not limit me and you will see that I will do what I can do. And so I'm looking, I'm looking forward to next week because, you know, really, this was what we talked about in the car. This is what we talked about in the car, right? <laughs> so, we'll, so we we'll got do, some good we'll notes do, We got some good notes, but we'll get the notes next week. So the fire experience is December 9th through the 11th. We want you guys to come. Um, um, listen, let me say this, Ever, because you said um, $100,000 a year salary. I want, I want us to break these limits a little bit. Yep. I want you to begin to say, I believe God for $100,000 a year, because what if God wants to do an investment? Yep. What if he wants to do yep. it in rental property? And I really want us to make a decision because I think. And, even, and if we think of it that way, sometimes people go, well, how could I ever do that? Because the position I have, nobody makes $100,000. Well, yes. God has many ways he wants to do that to get you to that level. And it doesn't have to be one way. That's a limiting thing. Sometimes we don't even realize that's what we're doing. Sometimes we don't even realize right. that that's what we're doing. Where it's like, God, I want to make six yep. figures. Yep. I want to make multiple six figures any way you yep. see fit. Yep. So we just declare we're six, we're multiple six figure uh, earners. However you earn it, However, multiple streams, multiple yes. streams, multiple streams, Whether right? You earn it multiple streams or not? Yes, just multiple streams. And I want you guys to be open to that because the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So you got to be open because God may say to somebody, get another job. He may say to somebody else, go to real estate school. He may say to somebody else, learn how to invest. And if you're not listening or if you have pigeonholed God by saying this or is afraid to take opportunities when God presents them yes. because they don't show up in some traditional sense, then you also then end up limiting God. And what we want to do is take all these limits off God. And one of the reasons we want to take all these limits off God is this right here, because you know that one of our goals at Fellowship of Champions is to move from giving away $10,000 scholarships to giving away full scholarships. In order to do full scholarships, we need some people that are saying, I'm willing to pay for full scholarships. Yeah. In order for you to be able to pay for full scholarships, you got to make increase and have more money than you've ever made before in your life. So this is not just we are going to go on vacations and do nice stuff, but sure. it's not just for no, that. Right. It is because there's kingdom work to be done. And just imagine if all 71 of you plus the two of us, if we all made $250,000 a year, what we could do to advance the kingdom. Yeah. So I want—I don't even want you to see making money is something that's just for you. 71 it's, million a year. 
If we all was making a million. If we all made a million, <laughs> yep. that would be $71 million a year. Right. What could we do? We're not on there. $73 million 73. a year. What would what would $73 million a year do if all of us gave a tithe and we matched our tithe with the offering? What could we do? How many scholarships could we fund? How many senior communities could we build? How many um um housing could could we do? What could we do with that kind of money? So we need you to understand that even when we're talking about money, we are never just talking about money for the consumption of ourselves. Yes. But let me tell you what I know and I'm a witness of as you get ready to give today. If there is no way you can decide to be a distribution center, there is no way you can be the water yeah. hose and not get wet. Yeah. There is no way you can be the water hose and not get wet. And if you will make a decision in your life that you are willing to be increasing more and more and more and more and more, God will increase you yes. more and more and yes. more and more so that you can be a walking bill board for his goodness. Guys, it That's is the stuff. time That's good to stuff. make progress. That's good stuff. It is time to make progress. And your progress it should be without limits. To make progress. And so as we pray over your seed today, I declare that because you are in covenant with oh, this ministry, yes. that anything that has blocked yes. your progress yes. be burned yes. up yes. now yes. by the fire of God. Whatever has limited you, whatever, whatever has, has withheld you yes. and kept you locked in the wisdom place that you're stuck in, in the financial place that you're stuck in, in the favor place that you're stuck in, we say be gone now, be gone now. that the wind of in God be in your back yes. and push you into yes. your set place and that God will use you mightily to be a testimony of his Goodness, yeah. I love what Trenisha said, and I need this work. Those of y'all who waiting to say this, I am a distribution. I am center. a distribution center. I am a distribution am center. A dis I'm saying that for me. I am a. I am a distribution center. center. Amen. And I want to say this to married couples. Pastor Ellen and I distribute together, mm -hmm. but we really want to be like. Walmart got more than one distribution center. <laughs> right. They all in the Walmart <laughs> right, right. family. I'm not just going to wait till you decide to distribute. No, no, no. I'm not just going to wait on me. When we, the Lord speaks to us, we want to have the means to distribute. We are both distribution yes. centers. And I want couples right now to make a decision. You're both a distribution yes. center. I don't have to wait. I believe God. I learn how to exercise my faith because there may be something that God puts in my heart that he didn't put in my husband's heart. Yet. And I encourage men not to just advocate that responsibility to your wife. Don't just be like, well, babe, whatever you decide, you just give. I ain't going to worry. God wants to use and speak to you to do some things for people as well. Don't just advocate that responsibility and say, well, my wife's a giver. You ought to be a giver. You ought to be a tither, just as your wife ought to be a giver and be a tither. Don't just let it be just one of the other. Both of you do the things that don't limit God in your life. Amen? Amen. Well, listen, y'all know what we're doing on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Friday. <laughs> you already know what we're doing. Govern yourself accordingly. We will see you guys. Have an amazing day. Sow your seed today. Be a giver today. Be a giver Amen. today. Look for somebody to be a blessing and get in that word. In those places where you have limitations, get in the word Amen. and let the word become the weighty thing we will see you next sunday and we will see you for the huddle because i know that many of you are coming from all over the country to be at the huddle on december 11th and we look forward to seeing you. amen because we're gonna be we're gonna be fired up after the fire conference on the night the 10th i want to get his <laughs> testimony i don't know if she's still here this is how god can really help you 
um, Kimberly Dennis had a testimony and she was saying that she wanted to be able to come. She was already coming to the fire experience and she wanted to be able to come to um, to the January 1st service, too. And her son wanted to come with her. Right now, she lives in Maryland. So she asked the Lord for a plan of how they could both come because it wasn't in her budget. Mm. The Lord literally gave her a plan and said she had a credit card offer with a flight with a with mm. a mm. with the airline that they would give her 60,000 yeah. points if she spent I don't mm -hmm. know however yeah. much it was. Yeah. The Lord gave her a specific plan. He said pay those bills mm -hmm. that you were normally go pay yeah. on the credit card yeah. and then the credit cards go give you the points and the points is how you go take care of the flight. And she did what the Lord said. And she sent me things. She said, we got our flights. God will give you so many ways to get things done if you will listen. So what I heard you say is that Kim decided to let God be God. That's what I, that's what you heard me say. <laughs> that's what you I heard, heard you say. You she decided to let God be God. Come on. As we close, type that in the comment section. Say, I, say, say I'm going to allow God to be God. I'm going to allow God to be God. I am going to allow God to be God. All right. We love you guys. We'll see you this week. Bring somebody to church with you. Something supernatural is happening. Remember, this is Fellowship of Champions. Yes. We are a church teaching you to walk, walk in love, live by faith, and experience, experience God's prosperity in, in every, every area, area of, of life. life. Be blessed. Go tell somebody about Jesus. Amen. Amen.